This is Rick Stoner. On today's podcast, I interview Vincent Choi, an ecosystem architect at Oz Finance. Oz Finance is a global community that intends to offer tax-free living, privacy protection, and regulatory cover to its residents. And good evening, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon for all of you listening all the way around the world. This evening, this day, um, we'll just call it a cycle. I have Vincent Choi with me from Oz Finance. I don't. I didn't even ask. Is it Oz Finance? I, I'm almost guessing it's kind of like Alice yes. in Oz Finance. It wasn't Oz. We we call it Oz. Yep. Yep. The land of Oz. The land of Oz. You know. Um, before we go into a whole bunch of technical stuff, let's let's talk about just that for a moment. The land of Oz and Oz Finance, and how you chose this name because it's kind of it is catchy, and in the crypto world, sometimes the name doesn't reflect the project so much. Like it does in a way when you really start thinking about it. The more I think about it, and the more I've read the white paper, I could see where you went with Oz Finance. But could you tell the listeners where you came up with this name? Sure. Um, it, so, Oz Finance is also a, 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 a is also a short abbreviated for Open Zone Living, which is uh, what really what our project is about. Uh, open Zone Living in a decentralized world. Um, but we really like the story of Oz uh, and how you know um, is is a is a different place. You no, know? it's a is a different place where dreams can come true, where people can follow a yellow brick road towards Emerald City and and really um, uh, grow along their journey. Uh, a lot like how um, the world of crypto has brought us from point A to point Z and where we aim to be. Um, part of our project scope is really about the development of a free trade zone um, in the Philippines called the Freeport Area of Bataan, who we're partnering with. And uh, we see that as the Emeralds, or the first Emerald City use case. And um, we want to bring us to as many residents and uh, to join uh, and invite as many of a community to join uh, the land of Oz as possible, uh, where it is a land of opportunity, it's a land of freedoms, um, uh, open to everyone. That's that's interesting. When in the story, I believe it was only Dorothy that got to Oz. Oh no! Dog. This is the way our name of our token came around. Toto. Yes, uh, I know. It's just the, the, the little dog was the first to go into Oz. It was the brave new adventure. You know, Toto was the first. Um, the, the little dog was the first to run into the cyclone and Dorothy, and then there, Dorothy, they met uh, many new friends, including you know the Tin Man, mm-hmm. the Lion, you know. Um, yes, now I understand where you the many different new friends that you, they meet, and okay, okay, and then I I looked at the token and the token name's Toto. Okay, yes. now this makes so much more sense. I was I'm like I'm I'm grasping the concept as I'm reading through everything, and then I'm like something is is getting my memory here and i just couldn't put it all together now i got it i was like toto toto it's it's a classic literature i'm not sure if um, many people has read it uh, among the the the, among the younger crowd uh Mm -hmm. but yeah it's probably stuck with us for for a long time 
it's actually a really nice, fun theme for such a serious project. Because <laughs> when we start talking crypto projects, yours gets a lot more in depth than most. Like open zone living, decentralized world. Could you tell us what that is? Sure. Um, well, a little bit background of our project, right? Um, we 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 see our we see that we have ability to bring the freedoms of blockchain around to everyone. Uh, we've been in blockchain for many, many years. I mean, myself, I'm involved for six, seven years. Um, but we don't see the freedoms associated uh, with blockchain and decentralization actually brought to everyone. And we, we decided to start a project that actually can deliver on those promises, um, can deliver freedom from, uh, can deliver regulatory cover, can deliver privacy protection and a freedom to choose and uh, protect your assets in a, in a reasonable and uh, a law efficient way. Right. So we created um, OS around, around that concept. Um, we work with special economic zones to create and to provide the legal basis of our project. So um, if you know, there are over 5,400 special economic zones around the world, uh, all with um, separate uh, legal structures, separate um, regulatory structures, uh, which they can create in order to attract foreign direct investment into the country. So we see all these, we name all these as open zones. At least the projects that work with us as open zones. And because they subscribe to a policy of trying to build an economy around digital assets, build an economy around the new you know, digital economy, um, these are open zones. And the way that they can be structured all around the world uh, by partnering with open zones in every country, uh, we're creating a very decentralized structure of governance um, that can that everybody can join and be a part of. So is this now I know it, it says here in the Philippines, but what you described was that there might be open zones all around the world. Are you is as once this is going, are you is that how it's going to establish that there's also going to be open zone living in other countries that you're going to offer? Yes, definitely. Um, our vision is to oh. expand us living um, around the world. Um, we have many. Um, we are very happy, and and of course, we're very honored that Philippines has given us the trust and um, and uh, to run us uh, as very first edition of us in partnership with the Freeport area of Bataan. Uh, we are in talks with special economic zones across the world right now. Uh, about twelve countries to date. I cannot really share which countries are until we sign MOU with them, uh, which we are in the process of doing. Uh, but we do see a possibility. Uh, we do see a world where you know, um, digital nomads, uh, the new digital people who participate in the new digital economy can claim, can have the freedom of choice. They want to live in whichever country they want to live in, uh, truly by staking the tokens and exercising the stake in wherever it is that they want to live and work out. Bet. I'm just, I'm just guessing that you're probably not a lot of fun at some political gatherings. As soon as they uh, heard you say the words digital economics, they're like, what, what digital what? mean spyware where they like this is a very new term that's coming to the world now digital we economics very very different approach to our talk uh, our project uh, we work together with governments not against them uh, we call yeah. for what we call common sense applications of regulations uh, look all regulators I hope you know just wants the I mean to protect the public 
right to make sure that there are and and we cannot deny that there are bad actors in our in our space right we cannot deny that there are rock pools we cannot deny that there are scams we cannot deny that there's ponzi schemes so all regulators really want to do is to protect people uh, from these three things right so how do we do that how do we then create a regulatory environment um to make it as hard as possible for fraudsters to come into our space and but yet still um enable the opportunities of digital assets to flourish um so our project took a very very different stance we, we worked hand in hand with regulators we we we, cons- uh, we sat down in consultation with them to create the implementing rules and regulations and how um we can put in um safeguards milestones into place with projects in order to then um safeguard public interest so um and we chose special economic zones because they can be regulatory sandboxes for a lot of these countries. I mean, it's not easy if you say uh, you, to take the route of El Salvador, for example, and say, okay, let's change the rules and regulations of the whole country overnight. I mean, that's that's like a, a recipe for chaos. Um, mm-hmm. Special economic zones are especially geographically limited zones, you know, in which they can have their own sets of rules and regulations that we can experiment with. We can create a sandbox environment and say, hey, innovation is going to outpace regulatory growth for the next 20, 30 years, right? It's, it's insane, right? The pace of NFTs, nobody had heard of NFTs um, five, six years ago, right? And then suddenly, boom, they are a tri- uh, multi-billion dollar market. The technology is going to constantly be a, a, a step ahead of regulations. And in order to keep pace, um, you know, you don't try to change the whole mountain, you know, you don't try to change the whole country set of rules and regulation laws. Look at a special economic zone, a, spe- a, a, a small demarcated area. Look at being as progressive as possible, as um, as innovation friendly as possible, while still protecting consumer interests and, and public interests. And then use that as a model for national laws we follow. You know, so we we see this as a and and I, I believe we're the only project really to to look at it from this level, to look at it from the, the, the very top from rules, regulations, regulatory as well as the technology, as well as moving into to step with the finances to create a, a, a budding ecosystem where you know countries can follow suit and uh countries can adopt uh, if it sees that they work. I'm not sure if it's a bit over the top. I mean, <laughs> no, it's, not at all. It's not uh, at all because that we, we try to, 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 to explain to our community because, um, you know, we feel that rather than go against, you know, it's, uh, it's easier for once you know and understand what the, the regulators are looking for, I think, um, to, to then, um, make sure it's common. Uh, make sure that you create commonsensical rules that are also innovation focused, also financially stable and sustainable, and then also, and then create the frameworks for that um, in a more limited environment, uh, which can still reach out to a lot of people, which can still garner mass adoption, but then make it a template for the country to follow. Okay. Okay, so you you sort of answered my next question, but I'm going to ask it to see if I can get clarity and and get it um, uh, a, a shorter answer to to define what this is going to be. So the question is kind of funny, actually. Um, 
it it says how how to solve the outdated tax system. Like, I, I really want to know about that. But the, the primary question is, how can the government attract more blockchain business when it is like Grand Theft Auto and Sharknado, right? And, and you even identified with that. You're like the the whole system has a lot of bad going on and a lot of good going on. How does that work when you're trying to attract this form of business to government and they're seeing these kind of things like, oh, Luna takes the world for $1.8 billion or something like that? How, how, how does that, how can we work with government and still have it appeal to them? So uh, there, there is, <laughs> so the, the funny thing about all this is that, um, being sucked into the crypto community and and and, and I, I i guess i i'm 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 not young right i i'm 40 plus i i've been around i've seen i've been in traditional companies before i've set up traditional companies before i, I went into crypto and, and the blockchain world um we get sucked into it without um understand that the basis is already there right what you are talking about are startups startups and then there are there's this startups and then there is and then there is more mature companies and then finally there are those companies that go to ipo the the problem not the problem the, the opportunity of crypto is that you take a startup straight to ipo in, in a way of through icos and 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 you straight away start to engage the public correct so um it somehow kinds of uh, accelerates the entire uh, process and that's why the regulations can't, can't keep up but we forget that a lot of these companies that are pitching their ideas in the form of tokens are actually startups and startups fail it is a statistical fact that 95 90 90 over percent of all one in, uh startups fail right within five years so that's why all the bad news start coming about. Like, oh, I got cheated, I got cheated, I got cheated. But not really. You know, you invested in a startup and statistically, 90% of these guys fail. All right. So the, the, the disconnect between uh, investor education, right, uh, government awareness, and what these companies are actually doing um, is, is huge. It is, it is huge. And to correct that, you know, it's about getting governments to recognize, hey, these are startups, right? And, and because these are startups, they, they should, right, communicate that. And that should be communicated with everybody who is even interested in purchasing or, or, or buying. And, and I think this is the regulatory headwinds. You see news all over the world today of everybody trying to prevent or curtail retail investments into into crypto and to cryptocurrencies right um from singapore we're doing something from usa they're doing something germany just announced something so everybody's trying to curtail retail investments but then are retail investors truly unsophisticated and then how do you then define them it took a long time even in the us right um when they say sophisticated investors are unsophisticated accredited versus unaccredited all right, I could be a finance graduate with a CPA, uh, with a CFA one, CFA level two, but I still don't make enough money to be a credit investor. It doesn't make sense. It, it mm -hmm. completely doesn't make sense. I'm obviously sophisticated and accredited because 
I've studied this, you know, although I'm just out of school, I might not have the, um, I might not have the financial capital, I might not have a million dollars set aside to be considered accredited investor. So is this then, does that then make me unsophisticated? Does that make me uncredited? So we, we need that level of education to, under, to understand who and who, really whom, can invest in these things and understand the risk that it brings about. But there is risk. There, there is, um, and I don't think a lot of these projects that, uh, some are, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, a lot of these projects who started out, they don't mean to be a scam at the very beginning. They start out with the best of intentions. They have a problem they want to solve. Um, but then two things happen. One, they get access to too much money too quickly. So then they tend to, uh, they, they t- tend to get greed takes over and then they forget how to run a business and then the whole thing goes haywire. That's one. And two, you know, um, they simply don't have sustainable business models. So to put into place, we run everything through a re- an exchange, a regulated exchange that sets out milestones that disperse uh, money. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it does solve some, right? You don't give the money, everything up front to a project. You can put in milestones. They can, and then two, you have actual business experts evaluate the, the, the system. Uh, and, and I say business experts, I'm not saying regulators because regulators, you know, don't often have a good eye on what is and what is not a sustainable business or even a good business. Okay, so yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, there was there was a few notes there for people who are starting business and starting startups. They should pay attention to what you just said. Um, that greed can outweigh the ability to lead your business, and then you fail. And this happens to lots of people. And I think people should really understand what Vincent has said to you there. And no, that is, that's like the crypto, it should be written right in crypto roadmaps. We got too much money now, we're going a little crazy and we're really not sure what to say for phase four because we spent all the money on our uncle's RV. You know, (laughs) they should tell us the truth. And they don't always, but they should be warned that great success can always make for great big problems that you don't make the right decision to. Um... I'm looking here. Okay, um, this here says you're the chairman of the Blockchain Center of Excellence in Education. I got that sounds like a, a little bit like a Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure episode. Um, I kind of want to know what that's all about. Sure. Um, so this is pre-COVID. Um, this was back in 2018. Um, we were run. We were very interested in blockchain as a technology, not so much as. Um, blockchain, or not not so much in cryptocurrencies, and we wanted to promote uh, the use of blockchain technologies or how blockchain technologies can change the way uh, businesses operate. So uh, we had a meeting with Cardin, which is the Indonesian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Uh, they, they are the official government-ran uh, uh, chamber, which governs almost all businesses in Indonesia. Uh, and we formed this Blockchain Center of Excellence and uh, Education, BCEE, uh, with the express purpose of educating Indonesian businesses on the use of blockchain technology. Uh, we ran um, training courses, we ran seminars, we, we had um, focus groups, discussion groups with leaders in the finance industry, the mining industry, the shipping and logistics industry, uh, even the arts and creative industry. And that was before NFTs came about, right? And um, we actually... Mm-hmm. 
held these uh, webinar seminars on a quite regular basis together with Cardin. Um, and to, and that was that. And then COVID struck, so the courses felt stopped um, because we stopped being able to fly there. Um, so this is, you know, in, in essence, what it is. Yeah, I just, I know a similar story. Myself, we're about like a, um, crypto user groups, right, right in the same time frame, just starting up, COVID started, shut everything down. And I always wonder to this day, why, why was the, did the universe just wink at all of us when we were all about to just do something so great? And it's just like, no, no, we got to hit the brakes on everything. It was like, really? Wow. Okay. But it was, it just, I don't know if it is a coincidence. Um, I also see here, you worked for multiple companies, FinTech, um, energy companies. Um, could you tell me about one of those companies and just something you've done there? Or well, the work? I'm not young, so <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I started my first company, you know. Um, that was a, I okay. My family business was on oil and gas, so I've been in business for a long time. I started my first company 23, 24. I was um really I was I had one job and then I went and then I started my own company. It was um I started a, a exhibition company, conference company, focusing on the oil and gas industry. Then I went in renewable energies. Then I went into, um, uh, then I went, I started a biogas association even. Um, and then I got into blockchain and it was quite interesting. And, and I started a couple of projects. Some died during COVID. Um, not died, I think more like put a pause to during COVID because when travel stops, business stops. And unfortunately, you know, some things just cannot be done on Skype or Zoom. Yep, exactly. And that really did put a lot of things at um, a standstill, didn't it? So that kind of launched us into this digital economics is what we went into next, right? And the more more people doing business over the internet, which kind of, in a way, accelerated the whole entire crypto scene because everybody's sitting at home with nothing to do. And then all of a sudden, Shiba Inu, for some reason, showed up on their screen and they were addicted. So the addictive nature of crypto is real. I think we are all starting to feel that and understand that. Whether it be just the human nature um, to desire decentralized anything, economy, and it creates um, uh, walls of trust. I know those two words don't go together very well, but it would put more trust if we had a very decentralized planet where we could we could look at everything or we wouldn't be wondering anymore about anything would we we'd know we'd just go look up the blockchain yeah so that- i think one of the many uh this is one of the many advantages of blockchain technology and, and like i said I, I got started on blockchain not on crypto i got started on blockchain on blockchain itself the technology uh and its applications mm-hmm. Uh, you see wonderful case studies of how, um, you know, because of this, the nature of blockchain, how it um, creates trust between intermediaries without having the need for intermediaries, um, that accelerates the process. I mean, I, give example, I mean, based on the Philippines itself, I mean, Union Bank of the Philippines, one of the more progressive uh, banks in the Philippines, um, they started a program that the to put um, remittance uh, on rural bank from rural bank uh, from urban to rural banking. 
on the blockchain. They cut the process down from, I, I, I believe it was 24 steps to like a three-step process and they cut costs by 93%. Um, our, our founder, Jin, is, was actually head of blockchain for Union Bank when they, they launched that initiative. So, um, you know, it, it shows the transformative power of blockchain. And by the way, that propelled the bank from number seven in remittance to number one within the course of a year and a half. Wow. Uh, was you know these are the transformative power of utilizing blockchain technology because of the things that the technology can do. So we, we tend to forget that the that blockchain is a technology, and it's a technology and technology for all its intents and purpose should serve us as humans, should serve and make our life better, make our lives make costs cheaper make things more convenient and make us live better. So we, we have to recognize and that that's why you, I'm very fascinated with utilities, with what blockchain technology can do and what projects that have real world utilities because somehow these utilities must translate to making my life better and not more complicated. This is, this is, this is, you know, this is the line that I, I find that must be drawn. Those projects that you, if you really cannot see how this would make everybody on earth better, uh, that's where you go. Why, why does this project exist? You know, it's, it's like, isn't the decentralized nature of, it, it might actually be built inherently into all of us where we're, we're taught something different, but deep down we're all like questioning everything right now um so let, let's let's talk about oz finance now and the tozo uh, or toto totozo see that's i was trying to figure out how to say it now i know it's toto or toto z is that Totos. what you call it totos uh, yeah okay now this here is a bep20 token I've found that interesting. Um, why Binance Smart Chain? Um, it, it's really a bridge. I, I, we, we are not um, married to the chain. Uh, as I said, um, we, are, uh, we are exploring the, product, uh, the creation of our own L1 uh, in order to facilitate our transactions. Uh, but as of now, uh, Binance Smart Chain is a widely accepted chain. It is a, and you know, um, the transaction uh, speed and uh, costs is um, is low. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. There's a lot of that. A lot, especially transaction well, costs. Yeah. Um. So can Totos now? This is what I was trying to understand. It has its own wallet. It it's um. Now you say it's and it's bridged uh, with BP twenty. So I read we can hold it in our MetaMask wallet, right? It it works with that as well. But what I was trying to understand is, is once this is on a BEP20 chain, now doesn't that make it tradable? But it's not tradable yet, is it? Or is there um, um, a smart chain contract on there that is making it tradable on decentralized finance? So, no, we, we, we talk about trading in a while, right? So uh, we will make it tradable. Uh, we are looking at... Uh, listing on several um, uh, centralized exchanges as well as uh, de decentralized fi uh, finance platforms. As of now, uh, we're focusing very much on building up the demand uh, for the token utility. And I say the utility, which is to grant a residency, um, you know, tax-free living as well as privacy protections and, regu and regulatory cover. So um, we, a lot of 
the, the way our tokenomics is designed is that the execution of the utility generates scarcity in the tokens, right? So it by okay. by taking okay, so before we go into that, maybe we take a step back. So our token basically has one very simple utility. It grants residency status to the people who stake it. Anybody who stakes our token in our wallet is able to live and work anywhere in the Philippines, tax-free, with no minimum stay requirements, and with regulatory cover for digital assets. So that's the utility of it. Every execution of that utility, that means everybody who becomes a resident, locks up tokens for five years. That creates a smaller and smaller circulating supply where the next uh, investment, or the, oh, sorry, no, I won't use the word investment, where the next person who wants a residency buys tokens and then stakes it and locks it up, buys into a smaller and smaller circulating supply pool. So that generates scarcity. So what we are doing now and what we're uh, really focusing on is generating real demand, which is the use of the utility, and we want to make sure that we balance out about 80% of our use in, in the utility versus 20% of people who buy it for its future utility. So if you're buying it and you want to um, uh, wait for the token prices to increase, to become a resident, to avail yourself of tax-free living, privacy protection, regulatory cover, uh, this is what we're encouraging. So we're building out the demand and that demand is a little bit more complicated. We have to build specific um, pathways uh, in each jurisdiction in order for people to become residents of ours because different countries have different tax treatments and different tax structures which we are navigating. Okay, so then I think, like I assume this when I was looking at it based off of what happens at the end of a five-year term, that so a speculator, if he wasn't um, driving at this or or then did, going into 25K market cap, he might find himself holding 75K worth of that market cap in five years and either be a um, be able to enter into the system or he will be able to receive uh, a, probably a substantially higher rate for his investment because there will be other people seeking to buy these to a stake so that they can start their um, immigration process in the Philippines. Now, this is this here's where this gets very curious. There's some questions here. So it's any you can hold any passport on earth yet or is there limitations to this like th there's got to be some sort of um some sort of limitation when it comes to the approval process you can't couldn't just let somebody buy and stake hold and then not do any background checks and then drop do you know what i mean of course, of course. I mean, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want a criminal as my neighbor. Definitely, exactly. Nobody <laughs> wants. That. I mean, everybody. We do our background checks, do KYC. Uh, we do a Saturday, uh, you know, AML checks. Make sure your 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 uh, funds coming in is clean. Yeah, we do all that. I mean, definitely, we are not creating a I, what what's that Marvel city of criminals, uh, Mandrapol or something like that. We're not creating that. You know, we're definitely not in doing or a ha like or a haven or a haven, right? Some can become havens as well. We, we want to create another Dubai in the Middle East. Uh, you're familiar with Dubai's growth story. We want to yes. create another Dubai. We want to create another Singapore. We're not in... We are not building a haven. We're not building a metropole. You know, that kind of mm -hmm, idea. Mm -hmm. All the background tracks will be there. 
definitely. So my, uh, the only yes, I asked because it looks like now the person doesn't become a citizen of the Philippines, but they are granted by the Department of Immigration full rights as a citizen for five years while they're holding their stake. It's, it's like a, any uh, PR program, uh, pub, uh, permanent resident program. I think every country in the world okay. has a residency by investment program. We've just created a tokenized version of it because we believe that the utilization of blockchain technology and the utilization of tokenomics make it a lot more sensible. Think of it this way. Every country in the world right now with a very successful residency by investment program has their own citizens complaining like nobody's business that that they can't afford to live there anymore. Houses have gone beyond the price of what a, a living wage would be in that country simply because all these foreign investors are coming in and driving up prices of real estate. Because 90-95% 90, 90%, of the time, investment by residency pro, uh, investment by uh, sorry, residency by investment programs are tied to real estate investments, which doesn't make sense. Real estate is unproductive investment. Right. Most of the time, these people don't even want to live there or they live there, you know, a, a summer or, they, you know, it, it, it works better with a rental or Airbnb than it is for you, you to actually, and they, or the Airbnb the rest of the time, uh, the, the time out is unproductive investment. And the net result is that the local population find it harder and harder and harder to afford property in that country. A tokenized solution solves all of that. In essence, even though it's a fixed supply token, it is it is an unlimited resource. It is something that can divide and divide and divide and grant as many residencies as is logical for the economic development of the country. You're not uh, affixed to anything like that. So, and the tokenomics drive uh, and a scarcity and a scarcity driven tokenomics then creates value and asset growth uh, within the, the the token itself because the token delivers real actual value so this is i think the application of blockchain technology uh tokenomics in something like residency uh, something like re- in residency by investment makes so much sense but nobody has done anything mm. well, just well, they, i think it i think it actually prevents what we're we're just talking about not 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 the, the good stuff but it'll actually prevent havens Right, it'll 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 stop those from being able to be created. That is, if more countries continue to do stuff like this, because you're absolutely right. There's housing crisis everywhere. Prices yeah. are, people are like, what? Like you can't, and that makes that that's not sustainable. The, not this is the, this is a problem. Our taxation system, government-driven system, is not sustainable right now. This is not. This is a this is a future-solving problem. What you're working at here right now. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it, in Singapore, I mean, my father bought my, the apartment that uh, the apartment for fifty thousand dollars. Right, and right now I can sell that same apartment for a million dollars. It's ridiculous. How does my children afford housing? <laughs> <laughs> That's a question I really need to ask, because you, if you that there's you, a possibility that the same house is going to be worth seven million dollars later, right? Yes, and and the problem is even though it's worth more, you are not richer for it. Think about it this way: if I want to maintain a same size apartment um, somewhere else, I have to spend at least one point five million on it, and I'll be I now owe another five hundred thousand. I'll be forever in a debt trap. 
Whereas tokenomics allow us to release the tokens to you after uh, five after five years, and mm-hmm. because if you have done your 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 work, so you've invited other people, you have gone around, you promoted it, it created demand. The price of the tokens, let's say, have gone up. Let's say uh, because there's demand for it, we unlock the tokens, we give back to you. You stake back a hundred thousand dollars to retain your residency. The rest of it is profit. You make your own profit, and you are forever able to increase your wealth. If you, let's say, our proof of work is literally you going out and inviting your friends to become tax-free, privacy-protected, regulatory-covered citizens, uh, residents. Sorry. Well, based based off the scaling that we're seeing currently on Earth, I mean, if they made it an inflation rate to equal Moore's law, because like inflation right now is going up every thirty years every year, um, that could be showing that people who do their seventy five thousand dollar stake and say they stay in it for twenty five years, they might be sitting on more than a million dollars. Yeah. At the end of twenty five years. Um, it's a that they can cash out. Well, yeah, exactly. At the end of each five years. Now, are they able to enter twice? Like, can they take two? Pro- can they double stake? I know it's a weird question, but it's worth asking. So when we open to more echo zones, yes, uh, you can be a resident of the Philippines and another country. You can be a... Okay. You know, we are happy to... I mean, we are opening it up to as many as you want. I mean, you could... You could be a digital nomad that likes to travel and stay three months in one country and, and thinks that, you know, you just want multiple visas, you know. Um, now, I know this is this is a technology base and it's a little bit off topic, but still on topic. Is this going to be Airbnb opportunities for people in the future? Are they going to be able to do this and then use those properties to apply to an Airbnb network of their own? Airbnb seems like it's a huge business nowadays. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's it's grown from nothing to actually the 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 concept Airbnb was very interesting. I I believe nobody thought of it at that time. I know there's complaints going on that say that Airbnb is um, attributing to the price of housing going up. So no, because it is so aggressive, that's why I ask this question. That's the problem. You see, so when people a lot of these residents that become buy a, a big apartment and then Airbnb it out for the for, because they don't stay there. They, they were actually driven there by the residency program, but then they ended up with a big apartment that they then, or they had to spend X amount. And, and this is the funny thing. You need to spend a minimum amount of money to become a resident, right? And if it's tied to a real estate, if your real estate is cheap, it means that I need to buy three to four different apartments. If your real estate is expensive, your locals can't stay there because it's really expensive. So it, it, it creates that quandary immediately. That is just, uh, you know, that just doesn't make sense. So I also see here, just just for um, clear, clarity, clarification for everyone, that um, you have to be approved before you go into the five-year lock. At least that's yes. what I have wrote down. So even though you apply and you have your money down, you might not be approved. So you wouldn't have to worry about your money being locked. Once it's locked, you're in. Yes. So if if you don't unlock, I mean, you stick your tokens to begin the process, and if you don't get approved, the tokens are unlocked immediately and given back to you. So there's no there's no APY or anything like that reflectiveness. It's just going to be gain on inflation on the holding of the stake. Is that correct? 
Yes, that's right. Okay. And then, and then you did mention the hundred thousand um, K or the one hundred K. We should talk about that a little bit. That's more. That's more for business. If you wanted to start a business, which I thought was very interesting, it's not just residency. It's actually seeking businesses to come into the country as well, because you wouldn't offer a program like this unless you wanted more new businesses. And it's actually not a big entry fee into a country. It is it? Put down a hundred thousand dollar state, go to open a business. You know, some some com- some countries have uh, red tape that goes into the half a million dollar mark or more before you can even think about opening a business as a foreigner in them. So this is actually quite an opportunity for those seeking to open foreign business. Um, but I want to know a little bit of this and what it entails. Um, is this for people to bring the business in or to acquire a business in the Philippines? Um like specifically we're just discussing the philippines right now because it's the one on the table um do, well they have to go they'll have to go through extra business licensing but that should come with all the approval process right yeah so uh th- there's two parts to that first of all um the hundred thousand is uh, what we call a single person cooperation or one person cooperation that's more for your tax affairs than anything else uh, for you to manage um your assets and to protect your own assets so that's as a single person cooperation yes but we are also inviting uh, businesses to set up in the free trade zone to provide employment and all of that and of course uh, business structures are a lot more complex um we are now uh, currently in the mid, not really currently. I mean, we have pre-approved sixty-four different type of crypto and digital asset type businesses that can uh, okay. operate out free trade zone. <laughs> so that makes it. Uh, so if you're trying to run an exchange or you're trying to run a a yield farming platform or you're trying to uh or you're trying to put together a crowdfunding, but I mean, all these have already been um so-called um pre-approved um to be recognized um uh through the free trade zone. Uh, we have also put together a some uh an exchange uh where these tokens for fundraisings can also be put onto the exchange for capital raising purposes. So uh, we're building up the ecosystem for businesses. Uh, we are still working on several sets of legislatures that will help companies uh set up uh, in a more efficient manner in the Philippines. Um, and all, all of that is being put together uh, as part of us. That's interesting. You answered the question that I was going to ask how much interest you were having from crypto-based companies, which now I can assume you do have interest from crypto-based companies as that would be one of the first. Like, um, and, and, uh, and it's absolutely interesting because I see... I see a future of companies wanting to work in a digital economy. They can now stake in, open an office, have an office base and have a remote company running in the Philippines and have everything all approved and then be right right by the book and no weird approval process. It's on the blockchain. Right. And you, you must recognize that, um, you know, uh, Philippines is one of the largest offshoring centers in the world, uh, besides India. Uh, it's very familiar with the concept of having, you know, accounting services, offshore services, um, shared services um, operating out of the Philippines. 
And then, so are you? Are you native of Philippines? Are you from the Philippines? Oh, I'm Singa- I'm from Singapore. But okay, I've been working just... there for about twenty years. I mean, uh, I, I travel very often to the country. Okay. It was just a very. It's like the area of interest. I was just trying to figure out why the Philippines. I know. I know it's a very big, blooming state right now. Now that they've cleaned their country up, I can see a lot of technology companies starting to work their way to the Philippines again. One one reason why we chose the Philippines also because it's a constitutional democracy. Uh, in a way that um that in a way that people are familiar with. Um, there has been peaceful transfers of power. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that is uh, that is the way to go. Okay, now I want to ask about Oz Wallet. Um, what is it developed on? What devices does it work on? Windows, Apple, um, Android? Um, any Anything you can tell me about the Oz Wallet? Uh, the OS wallet is web-based. Uh, as of now, we are launching the Android and Apple versions um, very shortly, uh, within the next month. Uh, we have m- recently made large UX UI upgrades, uh, which we hope to launch together with the, the the mobile versions of it. But as of now, it's a web-based, so it works on any environment that you know that can that you can log on the web with. Um, it's a centralized wallet. Um, because most of our uh, users, at least from our front-end perspective, were, are not crypto-natives, so this is uh, highly necessary. We will be, of in our roadmap, we are looking at a decentralized version for the more, um, for the more uh, technologically uh, advanced uh, crypto-natives. Uh, they're familiar with the structure. Okay, it's blockchain-based? It's blockchain-based, yes. Okay, and now... Because I know that it's bridged. What what blockchain is Oz no, based off? It's not a bridge. Sorry, is is I I I said that uh, Binance Smart Chain is really a bridge because we are yes. looking at developing our own L one. Uh, we are looking at several applications and several use cases with the government that we are launching soon that will require us to have a bit more uh a hybrid mm. nature between a private chain and a and and a public chain. I should keep I, I think I should keep digging here. Which private chain? <laughs> Which private chain? <laughs> so oh. our tech team is uh is very our tech team is actually very active in the development of uh technology right now, uh looking uh in the development of uh, a chain that works for us. Um, you know, we are happy and we will be the CTO is happy to get on the show and uh, share more details once it's ready. Excellent, excellent. Um, okay, so then now can people acquire now? They can, can they speculate and acquire your token now? Yes, they can go into wallet.all.finance and and purchase the tokens, uh, swap the tokens with USDC or USDT uh, uh, as of now. Uh, We should be on a major exchanges by the end of the year, um, where then uh, the distribution is a lot wider. That's where I keep, and I'm going to go back to this question and ask it one more time. So because you're bridged to, or you're going to be bridging to BEB20, that's that's decentralized yeah, exchange uh, right there. We're currently a BP20 token, so uh, mm-hmm. it can be 
BP20. I believe Pancake Swap can handle BP20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's instantly an exchangeable token that's decentralized. Yes. Right? If you if there's peer to peer exchanges, that can happen straight away. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, that's this is the future, my opinion. Like I've been I've been in crypto a long time. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the Gandalf of crypto. Um, I have I've I've I have video card mining cards that yeah literally you would wonder if they work still and they actually do i believe the computer beside me might be running one of those old ancient ones um (laughs) just because i um i really do believe once i understood what DeFi meant because i I even in, interviewed Vitalik Buterin, and and he he wouldn't stop talking about decentralized. And I'm like, what do you mean, Vitalik? I thought we were just all script and blockchain and Bitcoin and Dash Dark and this. And he's like, no, decentralized, DeFi. And I, I, I couldn't get it. Now I understand it. It is the way to basically remove every single money sending system in the world on a secure blockchain that's decentralized and that has the smallest fees ever. Like I could I could send you a thousand dollars right now. It'll get to you in 32 confirmations in less than a minute and it's gonna cost me probably six tenths of a penny. Maybe it'll cost me 10 cents. That's unheard of. This is this is this is the thing I think that's driving everybody at crypto right now starting to see it. And then the integration through what people know, which is a web browser, MetaMask. It's kind of like a clicky thing, right? Everybody loves that. They're like clicky, click, you know, I, I can do this. It's just like my banking app. And they're all learning yeah. this now. So once I saw how DeFi started working and realizing it, I was like, why do we, we don't need exchanges anymore. You know, we still do need exchanges though, (laughs) but we're getting to the point where this thing that people talk about, be your own bank in crypto is starting to really appear and take a significant role in our digital economy society that is happening now. And I think this means a big thing in the future, like a really big things for the future. It's not just um, it's not just finance. I mean, there are many applications for 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 DeFi, and um, and I'm very excited about the future. I'm very excited to see how we can uh, we are, and the best part is we are part of that future now. Mm Hmm. Oh, I I think that your your project is just. it's it's like new age in the age of realization. So as the crypto space keeps building, your project's just gonna go to to levels that people won't under people will talk about it. Hey, did you know about open zone living? You know, wouldn't that be nice if that becomes a catch term in the next three to five years? And people will be like, open zone, what? And I'll be sitting on a beach and somewhere in Cancun and I'll be like, yeah, old guy. I'm like, you and your wife, what are you doing here? It's like, go hook up in open zone living. And then they drop in their two or three million dollars and they get 15 different places all over the world. And then they can just go wherever they want and then feel 
because it'll have that vibe of everybody is approved in those zones, right? Now, I know I want to ask a bit more specifics on this. Now, for that, is that like, are you guys going to buy city blocks? Or are you going to buy our plot of land and then build on it? Our intention is to work with the government to build whole cities. Um, I mean, that's our plan. And we, we do hope to make that reality um, very soon. Okay, so uh, you're actually all started construction upstairs, all the unfortunate that's... effects working from home. Uh, so it's fine. Really <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, um, so this, okay, just like really specific on the open zone living, a couple of questions here, because I know other people, they'll be left with questions. So, it, so it's going to be... Um, also, uh, uh, real estate and construction. So as you do this, you're going to be building cities, just like you said. Yes. And then right. that is going to come with, uh, 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 now let's, let's go back to this here real quick as we're reflecting a couple of things here. And then I have a few more questions for you. That's going to create a zone where, where it says something about taxes. Is it, is it tax-free living then in those zones? Um, currently, we're working with uh, free trade zones, which uh, are able to give tax incentives to people who come and invest in these zones. Um, so the, the trick of what we did was really to get the government to recognize uh, the act of staking as an investment into the country. And because we, they recognize staking of our native token as an investment into the country, uh, we're then able to grant tax incentives um, to them as if they are investors in the country. And these are normally um, reserved for like big companies. They come in, they want to mm-hmm. they invest millions of dollars. But we, we, we fractionize that. We make that into, you know, $100,000 packages where anybody and everybody can 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 become, uh, can enjoy this lifestyle and, and choose the freedom, freedom that is associated with this lifestyle. And it's not just 100,000. So even pe- people who purchase the tokens today, and I say, uh, and and it grows to us uh, to reach a hundred thousand in, in in one year's time, five years time, you know, they can then use that to avail themselves of this uh, lifestyle. So technically, um, that's how we is created. So it's a tax incentive zone, which makes a lot of sense. I know exactly what you're saying. It'll the smaller people can do it now. You, people will be able to live and make better financial choices. And this could be one of the best ones they've ever made. So in saying that, they have to go to oz.finance. That's where they register. If they have any questions, um, they can just contact through the contact us there. Um, And you probably have a number of representatives. Now, do you make yourself available for people if they want to contact you, Vincent? Sure, directly. I mean, I'm available on Telegram. On our Telegram group, I answer questions directly too. Um, so please do, if any questions at all, please do reach out to me. I'm happy, more than happy to help any one of you um, and answer any questions uh, that you might have. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, that's perfect. So now I just got a couple questions that are definitely a bit off topic. So let's go back to your past. What did you do that inspired you in high school did you 
think you were going to be my fireman, a computer technician. Um, I see you said you were in the army. What was it, one of the things that you remember while you were going to school that you were aspiring to do in life? Oh, so um, the army, about the army command, um, all Singaporean males, we go through uh, military service from 18 to 21. So it's about two and a half years of service. So um, that was the time when I, I was uh, in the army. Um, no more than any other male in, in my country. Um, I didn't expire to be a soldier and didn't rent to you. So um, I've always been intrigued by business. Um, like I said, um, we ran a family business. Um, none of my relatives actually work or hold a job. They, they actually do their business, uh, big and small, um, uh, big or small businesses uh, now and then. So I've always wanted to be a businessman and, and it's about finding that idea, finding that, um, finding that seat that that would you know um, allow me to to build up something sustainable. Okay, interesting. Um, and by the way, it's probably actually um, more of an army army career than most people in like eighty percent of the countries in the world don't have a mandatory um, army uh, service, which they probably should, <laughs> you know, and they don't anymore. Um, is is kind of funny when you said that I was just giggling about it. Um, so what was your first crypto interaction? The first time you were ever introduced to crypto, was it Bitcoin? Was it mining? Was it Litecoin? Was it blockchain? It was you remember mining. what it was? Um, I, I, I bought a couple of mining rigs um, at, uh, when my friend introduced them and we mined Ethereum uh, at that time. Um, that was how I got introduced into it and then where I got uh, more in-depth into it. But where I first heard the concept was, uh, it, was a, it was a, actually it was a lunch with several political leaders. Um, and at that point, uh, one of the crypto projects was pitching uh, the use of blockchain technology for energy trading. And that particular minister asked me if I've heard of blockchain because we were having lunch and I was youngish. Um, and I said, no, I, I never heard of it. And I dived into it. I learned more about it. And that was what really got me into the rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. So sm smashing numbers on video cards and you realized, wow, we can have something that's coherent, that's not counterfeitable, that's secure and can be developed on in many different layers. Um, this is a big realization for anybody. Um, so when, once you saw what it was, then how did that lead up to Oz? Oz was, um, Oz was interesting. I mean, uh, basically, uh, we, I was advising several projects uh, or I was trying to start several projects. Um, I uh, pre-COVID and uh, we nearly, I nearly launched another project um, uh, very, I mean, literally right before COVID, uh, we set up the company and everything and we were about to launch and then suddenly, you know, COVID struck and then everything went to shits. Um, sorry, I'm not sure if I can say that in your show, but um, everything went sideways, right? Um, so that was uh, when Jin, uh, the founder, uh, approached us. He, he's Filipino and he was also working on it and he you know, told me what he was doing with the special economic zone, asked me to take a look at it. And, and 
yeah, I mean, I, I start looking into it. I start seeing all the possibilities that could come with it. I helped to redesign um, some of the structures around uh, what they were doing or what they planned to do. And, and that really got me hooked. He invited me to be a co-founder. I said yes, um, because I thought this was a very, very exciting project. And I've been in, um, I've been in this ever since. Just make a quick last note. That's that's amazing. So I am I am absolutely impressed. Um, it is it is super fascinating because crypto is doing so many different things right now. It is it is just on the brink of space. I know, and not many people are ready for it. But when it starts happening, and when we really see what we're developing for, I think it's just going to really explode. This here last little rally that we had—that wasn't anything. My impression. Other people are like, "Wow, that was like the holy grail of everything." I'm like, "No, no, you haven't been in crypto long enough yet to understand what's going on." <laughs> yeah, so I just like to sir, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I understand. I mean, we were there since Ethereum was saying five bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah, at least. Um, my interview with Vitalik was at $3. Wow. Yeah. So I'd like to thank you very much for taking the time to come and talk to me. And uh, I'd like to let everybody know we're not in Kansas anymore. You can actually live in Oz on the blockchain. You check it out, oz.finance. And if you want to get a hold of Vincent, his socials will be down below there. Just check them out. Telegram channel. Everybody's pretty pretty familiar with Telegram. Um, anything else you'd like to say real quick, Vincent, before we go? Um, I'd like to thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to speak to you as well as your um, community. Uh, it's been a very it's been a pleasure um, and I enjoyed talking to you a lot please um, anything else I mean if you have any updates we'll let you know uh, very excited to we're very excited for all of a project like this because I, I think it brings it brings a much needed real world anchor um, to the crypto community and to the digital asset industry um, and I'm, I'm very excited to see where this will go in the next couple of years um, and yeah, I would like to welcome everyone to us. Um, please join me in the Emerald City. Thank you. And again, thank you everyone for listening. Remember to press like, subscribe, and share. This has been a Crypto After Dark production. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, please contact us at cryptoafterdark at gmail.com.